0: Each as an individual to form something that is greater than the sum of its parts, that reaches toward the divine and is an image of the divine on earth. And this coming together is never going to be without tribulation. It's never going to be without trouble. It's never going to be without difficulty. And yet, it becomes a way in which we can triumph over the difficulties in our lives.
1: You're listening to Talks from the Apostolic Johannite Church.
2: Proud, excited, and honored to (laughs) (laughs) introduce His Grace, Dr. William B. Prime Minister of the United States. Uh, his grace is the Archbishop of Wisconsin, primate for the United States of America for the Apostolic Unite Church. He received his PhD in philosophy from DePaul University and is the author of Historical Pivot, Philosophy of History in Hegel, Schlelling, Schelling, 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 Holderlin, Holderlin*, as well as articles on a wide range of philosophical topics. In addition to his duties within the HAC, his grace also teaches philosophy in the Chicago area, specializing in ethics and the history of philosophy. Most recently, his article, The Apocalypticism of Joachim Fiore." You're getting better each time. Thank you. Joachim Fiore. Again, the Western <laughs> Mystery Tradition appeared in the Journal of Western Mystery Tradition. Take it away, grace.
0: Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so... Today I'm gonna to be talking about the, the sacrament of, of matrimony which is actually gonna be the last in a series of talks that I've given at the AJC conclaves on, on the seven sacraments. And I'm sort of, I think it's sort of appropriate that we should consummate this, uh, this, this series with talking about, about matrimony. Um, I'll start with my standard joke about marriage. Um, half of all marriages end in divorce. That, of course, means that the other half end in death. So you should remember that when we're, we're being rough on undivorced persons. But when we're talking about matrimony, we're talking about a permanent union of loving couple into a single family unit, or as we say, one spirit and one flesh. According to the Orthodox Church in America, in order for the love of a man and a woman to be that which God has perfectly created it to be, it must be unique, indestructible, unending, and divine. Of course, this definition falls short in a lot of cultures and on a lot of different points. That it be a couple, that it be a man and a woman, that it be permanent. In fact, there is a tradition, this is a, a bit of a side note, of temporary marriages in certain cultures. Um, Pre-Islamic Arab culture recognized uh, a temporary marriage uh, that, or a fixed term, marriage. Uh, Muhammad the prophet actually sanctioned a temporary marriage uh, which was possibly used as a legitimating cover for sex workers. So we see uh, similar forms of temporary marriage in in Egypt, in Lebanon, in Iran, uh, and also in in China. So the so-called walking marriages uh, in China. So the idea that this is that there's some unilateral or, or monolithic definition of marriage, I think we can just let, let go of that right away because it, it is too multifarious a, uh, an institution to have a, a, a single uh, definition. But interestingly, what seems to be more common across cultures are the impediments to marriage. The inability to consent, and we're gonna talk a lot about the role that consent plays in sacramental marriage, either because of, of, of mental illness, or uh, somehow that one, that one lacks reason because of age, or, <laughs> it unconsciousness. Um, there are, in many cultures, prescriptions on remarriage, uh, especially after divorce. And, of course, the incest taboo that marriage between close relatives is forbidden. But in this context, we're going to talk primarily about about matrimony as a, a sacrament. That's going to be our focus today. And much like confirmation, in the early church, there were some questions about whether marriage was legitimately sacramental. And the history is extremely complex, even before the Protestant Reformation, which just makes the question of the sacramental nature of marriage even more complicated. But the Council of Trent declares, if anyone shall say that matrimony is not truly and properly one of the seven sacraments of the evangelical law instituted by Christ our Lord, but was invented by the church, in the church by men and does not confer grace, let him be anathema. You don't anathematize people who you know, aren't saying something. Right? So the fact that they took the time to specifically address this claim that matrimony is not one of the sacraments, but is merely a human institution, means that this was at least uh, a claim of of a certain amount of um, commonality, of of, of frequency. Calvin explicitly states this in his Institutions. He says, lastly, there is matrimony, which all admit was instituted by God, though no one before the time of Gregory regarded it as a sacrament, though there's debate about that to be sure. What man in his sober senses could so regard it? God's ordinance is good and holy. So also are agriculture, architecture, shoemaking, haircutting, legitimate ordinances of God, but they are not sacraments. So there is a sense, particularly among the early Protestants, of denying many of the sacraments, reducing them often to two. but particularly marriage as, a, 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 as problematic sacrament. Really. The claim is primarily that it is external and worldly, that it does not confer divine grace, and that it is fundamentally different from even the remaining six sacraments. And there are real differences between matrimony and the other sacraments. There's the claim that it is non-scriptural, that it is not instituted by Christ. And to a certain extent, this is, of course, true. We don't see Jesus performing uh, a a wedding ceremony. Uh, There is the transactional nature of of marriage. And, for example, the exchange of the dowry that enters... Uh, that, that, that places matrimony within the context of, of economy in a way that is incompatible with the sacramental nature. So there are real concerns about whether or not this is a legitimate sacrament. And it is transactional. There, it's, it's hard to deny that. It has the nature of a contract. But that contract is intended for very specific, uh, greater purposes, not merely procreative, political, and economic, though those are certainly vitally important to the history of matrimony, but also ethical, that this is the paradigmatic example of promise-keeping. The virtue here is a kind of fidelity and also a kind of chastity, of course. However, the Catholic Church and sacramental churches generally regard matrimony as a sacrament because it is a figure of the union of Christ with the Church. Of course, the term sacrament has a somewhat broader meaning in certain circumstances. For example, in Ephesians, when Paul says, uh, and I'm going to quote here, he alludes to the divine institution of marriage in the prophetical words proclaimed by God through Adam. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be two in one flesh. He then concludes with the significant words in which he characterizes Christian marriage. This is a great sacrament, but I speak in Christ, in the Church. But it doesn't necessarily mean sacrament in the technical and theological sense here, but it is regarded as a sacrament even in the early Church, and at the very least it is a vitally important practice socially. But we can also raise as evidence the fact that this has never been a point of contention between Rome and the East that there has been universal agreement on the sacramentality of of matrimony. So before we go any further, I want to just talk about a couple of the words that we use to talk about about marriage or matrimony. Of course, my favorite connection to make when talking about marriage is, of course, to the mariachi. Mariachi bands, or the wandering bands that would play at weddings. So marriage is something that is celebratory. Of course, the term matrimony, meaning the married state, the relation of husband and wife, ultimately comes from, from matrim, from the mother. Uh, matrimonium in Latin is the word for, for wedlock or marriage. The word wedding itself is, of course, Teutonic. It comes from the Old English wedung, the state of being wed or betrothal. Um, Although, interestingly, the usual Old English word for uh, the ceremony was a bridalope. It sounds like some sort of horrible animal, but the bridalope is literally the the bride's run in reference to conducting the bride uh, from the ceremony to her her new home. Uh, As Early as the 14th century, we see references to wedding rings from uh, the 17th century, wedding cakes, Uh, wedding cake being attested as a style of architecture from the 19th century, uh, wedding reception from the 1850s. So this is something that has been part of our vocabulary for a long, long time. Of course, in talking about sacramental marriage, we have to put it within the context of a much broader tradition of marriage. Uh, it has always had a, a religious or, or sacred aspect, even if it does not necessarily now, that, that perhaps the, the economic, the contractual, the political elements have come to the fore in a much more profound way in, say, the last 100 years which is not, of course, to say that those were ever absent. Those were always present. They were always part of of marriage. But there was always a a sacred character to it. In the 20th and into the 21st century, we often regard this as a function of the state. We think of this as a legal contract. And so it might be useful in some contexts, and I I don't wanna get into this here, to, to separate out the legal institution of marriage, which has a long and storied tradition, from the sacramental tradition of marriage, which also has an equally long and storied tradition, because confusing the two of them is uh, to to really muddy the waters. Within the context of uh, the sacramental churches, uh, only this particular Christian form of marriage has this Truly sacred character. And as such, because it is sacramental, it requires baptism. It is, uh, because baptism is the door to the sacraments, uh, that a sacramental marriage is only between baptized people. Of course, there are lots of questions that arise here uh, along the lines of how many angels can dance on the head of a pin uh, regarding mixed marriages. Who receives grace in a mixed marriage, um, you know, if if a couple is not baptized when they're married and then later receives baptism, does the marriage become sacramental? And and when does that sacrament happen? There are all kinds of, of questions, and there is no real agreement regarding these these uh, these questions. Whether or not these ultimately have a whole lot of applicability or practical impact I I think is, is truly debatable. Obviously, marriage predates Christianity. Even within the Christian tradition, we're told that marriage goes back to Adam and Eve. And almost all faiths and communities practice some sort of marriage. Of course, like all of the other sacraments, it's important to look at marriage within the context of of Jewish practice. The Hebrews, as anybody who's read any of the Hebrew Bible knows, were polygamous, that there, there were multiple wives, Uh, But also, even into the rabbinical period, marriage was explicitly seen as a kind of contract. And shalom bayis, the, the marital harmony, is an important virtue. In the Ten Commandments, we see prohibitions against adultery. And again, this is how law works, right? The the violation comes first, and then you make the law to outlaw it, right? So you don't have a proscription against adultery if there is no institution of marriage. But in the Priestly Code, in the Book of Numbers, we see explicit laws dealing with marriageability, with divorce, and so on and so forth. The gate in the halacha, the, the the Jewish law, is divorce, and that is the result of violations of the marriage contract. That because it has specific rules that apply to violate them is to invite the imposition of this of this divorce. Of course, in modern Catholic practice, uh, divorce is prohibited, but there is still a role for the annulment where the divorce takes place on the grounds that there was never really a marriage to begin with. The Orthodox tradition is somewhat more accepting of divorce and even uh, opens up the possibility that one can be married as many as three times. Although interestingly, Each successive marriage would incur a period of excommunication, that one would have to be excommunicated after each one. And there is a special rite for second marriages, which is different from the initial marriage, in part because it includes a ceremony of penance for the breakdown of the earlier marriage, that it lacks some of the the joyful aspects of, of a marriage. But there is also the tradition of the hieratic divorce where a married couple can separate, and this is endorsed and blessed by the Orthodox Church for the purposes primarily of one or both of them entering into monastic life. So divorce is is looked upon very, very differently uh, in different contexts. Like all sacraments, Matrimony has to have a scriptural or biblical justification. And, of course, in John, we see the wedding at Cana. So we don't have to search real far to see that this is a vitally important practice that's going to need to be incorporated into the later Christian tradition. In terms of its sacramentality in uh, systematic terms, we have to look to the the minister, the form, the matter, and the intent. This is, of course, the point at which all of the AJC seminarians start paying attention to the video. The ordinary minister is, and this is truly peculiar in the context of the sacraments, actually the couple itself. To quote here, From the earliest times, the fundamental proposition has been upheld. Matrimonium facit consensus. Marriage is contracted through mutual expressed consent. Therein is contained implicitly the doctrine that the persons contracting marriage are themselves the agents or ministers of the sacrament. So the ordinary minister is not A priest, a bishop, is not a deacon in exceptional circumstances, as is often the case with with, uh, other sacraments, but rather it is those who are entering into the marriage themselves. The priest witnesses and blesses a valid marriage, but acts as an agent or an intermediary. And there are disputes about the necessity of sacerdotal authority, Um, and it was a long time even in the Catholic tradition before this was truly settled. St. Thomas considers marriage, St. Thomas Aquinas considers marriage without a priest's blessing to be adulterous, and there was a suggestion that that the matter and form consisted in the consummation of the marriage. Though this principle has been largely dismissed within the the sacramental community. Instead, we think of the form as consent, as a right given and accepted. There's what we say, mutual acceptance. That that is the ultimate form of matrimony. That before witnesses and blessed by the priest, there is an exchange of of consent, an exchange of right. The matter of the sacrament is then the contract, not in any physical sense of the word, but the, the agreement to engage in this union. And this precedes the marriage proper, but is inseparable from it. Of course, the intent is to live in harmony and fidelity, but also within many faith communities to raise children within those faith communities and secure the succession of the faith for their progeny. So there are real differences between matrimony and a lot of the other sacraments. That it is effected by the couple and that because it is of the form of a contract, it can actually be effected without the physical presence of the the various parties. It could be done in writing, by proxy, and still be valid in uh, the canonical traditions. Of course, traditional practice is somewhat different. One of the things that I've always found very very interesting are the the so-called bands of marriage, the preparation for marriage, where the community is informed of a couple's intent to marry, that uh, they un- undergo a kind of, of preparation uh, in, in conversation with the church so that marriage is entered into soberly and thoughtfully and seriously. There are all kinds of physical accoutrements that are part of the wedding ceremony. Wedding rings, wedding cups, candles, cakes. That within the Orthodox tradition, there are fairly specific uh, practices that are that are required. In other faith uh, communities, there is a, a little bit of, of variation. We've already talked. Uh, to a certain extent, I think about Catholic practice. In the Orthodox uh, tradition, there are some additional elements. The the crowning, the stefana, in which the couple is, is crowned and thereby participates in Christ's kingship. But the crown also represents martyrdom. And the word martyr, of course, means to witness. So they are the witnesses to the presence of Christ coming into the world as this union. And given some of the language that exists within the AJC liturgy, the idea of, of Christ present in community I think is very, very important. The gospel that's uh, used in Orthodox uh, wedding is always uh, the second chap- from the second chapter of John, the wedding at Cana. And the common cup, not hopefully filled with coffee, um, is an important part of not just the Orthodox, but uh, other practices as well. In the Protestant tradition, marriage has become, in many cases, very secularized. um, And in many cases, it simply follows uh, some of the earlier Catholic practices. In the AJC specifically, we have a somewhat more liberal uh, set of guidelines concerning marriage, remarriage, and so on and so forth. Divorce and remarriage uh, are not specifically prohibited by any canon or practice of the church. Same-sex marriage is blessed by the Apostolic Joanite Church in keeping with our statement of principles And while the sacrament of marriage normally takes place, as all sacraments do within the context of the liturgy, this is uh, occasionally excluded. But there is a sort of wonderful description of how the the Apostolic Gemini Church sees uh, marriage right at the beginning of the marriage rite. And I quote here, marriage is a solemn and public covenant between two people in the presence of God. In the Apostolic John Knight Church, it is required that the ceremony be attested by at least two witnesses, and that the marriage conform to the laws of the state. Right? That's not a claim about validity. Right? That's a claim about our particular form of practice. A priest or bishop normally presides at the celebration and blessing of marriage because such ministers alone have the function of pronouncing the nuptial blessing and of celebrating the Eucharist. Right? Again, this is not to imply that the priest or bishop is the ordinary minister or the, the true agent of the sacrament. It is still the, the couple that affects the sacrament. But it's much about much more than just a an economic or or legal contract or procreation. It's about a marriage process. Again, I quote from our, our practice. When two people pledge to love and care for each other in marriage, they create a spirit unique to themselves, which binds them closer than any spoken or written words. Marriage is a promise a potential made in the hearts of two people who love, which takes a lifetime to fulfill. So marriage is not something that's one and done, but the process of of, of being together, of becoming one spirit and one flesh. Of course, our our, uh, matrimony ceremony also includes traditional elements like the rings and the cup, But it also includes, and this is, I have to say, my favorite part of the AJC wedding ceremony, the tradition of the exchange of of the letters. And I'll simply uh, quote the the celebrant's uh, instruction regarding these letters for context. Before this day came, I required the two parties, each to write a letter for me. This letter was to detail what it was about the other that they felt so that they so dearly loved, why they were so moved that they felt compelled to join their lives this day. These are their letters. I have not read them. I'm not going to read them to you. But rather I return them to their authors with this simple instruction. Years and years from now when in the face of trouble or temptation, you ask yourself, and you will ask yourself, why in the world did I ever marry this person? Find the letter you have written. Read it and remember just why you decided to embark upon this grand adventure with the person facing you today. These letters are not for casual reading. They are not for you to share with each other. They are special and private treasures. And I think that this ceremony in particular encapsulates what's actually happening in the sacrament of matrimony for the Apostolic Jehovah's Church. That two people come together, each as an individual to form something that is greater than the sum of its parts, that reaches toward the divine and is an image of the divine on earth. And this Coming together is never going to be without tribulation. It's never going to be without trouble. It's never going to be without difficulty. And yet it becomes a way in which we can triumph over the difficulties in our lives. Obviously, matrimony has uh, an ancient, ancient history. It is something that has been a practice uh, for human beings for literally millennia. And while the traditions and the ceremonies and the meaning of this institution vary widely, there's something very special and absolutely essential about this that goes, I think, to the heart of what it is that we do in the apostle joanite Church. So with that, thank you very much, and I will open it up to Questions? And could I sit down Oh yes now? Absolutely. so okay we'll probably have to adjust yeah. the video a little bit so that's why I on. Um, questions are easier when I'm when I'm sitting. Jonathan Deacon gets part of place okay.
2: Just, just more of a, a fun question that you may not know the specific answer to, but for the for the Orthodox excommunication from the three marriages, do you know the time frames?
0: I don't off the top of my head. Uh, I would I would have to look into that. I'm sure I'm sure we can figure it out. Um, it's a good question because I don't know if it is a kind of. Just sort of perfunctory nominal. You've been kicked out. Now we're going to let you back in, or whether there is a period of penance. Right. Um, and considering the fact that um, that the the right of second marriage within the Orthodox tradition includes this penitential element, which I I really like. I think that that's important. That that you you shouldn't just be forgetting what came before, but you should be acknowledging your own complicity. In, in the breakdown of, of that relationship, if that's the, the circumstance in which you find yourself. That um, that's something that, that you should be caring for. And given that there is that penitential element, it would not surprise me to learn that that excommunication had some sort of significant prescribed duration. Right, But I'm, I'm speculating, that's clearly yeah. speculative there. Your Eminence. Um, Can uh, marriages be
1: uh, retroactively uh, temporary? Hi, Kim.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Asking
3: for a friend. Yes,
0: yes. Addressing myself not specifically to the patriarch's wife. Um, No, no, absolutely not. Nope, it is permanent and irrevocable. Always letting me down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Any other questions? Just uh, yeah. a clarification, really.
4: I really a, a, a point, um, because the early part of most of your sacramental talks, I think you're talking about sort of regular canonical practice. Yeah, yeah. The so just to clarify,
0: um, the AJC doesn't require two persons to be baptized in the room and join in marriage. That is correct as far as I know. Yeah. Yeah, that. Um, I mean, certainly we have celebrated uh, uh, marriages for for people outside of the church, um, and I think that the the fact that marriage always carries with it uh, a sacred um, character, I think is is sufficient. And 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 like uh, like much of the AJC practice, um, we do deviate from from that requirement. So yeah, thank you for, for clarifying that. To,
4: paraphr- to paraphrase myself from yesterday, marry and all, God knows the right.
3: You're right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Um, yeah? Perhaps not a question of doctrine, but more a question of uh, personal opinion and style. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we have had in uh, some clergy in the past have performed Uh, Wedding ministry um, that is not specifically Joe and I. um, That, uh, you know, um, marrying people kind of outside of a specific church context, but you by authority of the church. Itself, mm-hmm. Or maybe, and I don't know the specifics of it, maybe they were performing marriages in a secular context. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, I think that that's very, very common, that this is, they're acting as state agents when they can. And then okay, so
3: I guess that's my question, I, you know, because I have on occasion been asked to perform weddings for friends and acquaintances, and my answer has always been, I'm going to do the Joe and wedding. hmm uh, if that's okay, then yeah, let's talk about it. If not,
0: then maybe somebody else would better. Yeah, and I would certainly I, I would certainly support and defend that, that position. Um, I don't think that that's, as you said, I don't think that that's a matter of, of doctrine or, or, or law or anything. Um, but it, I think to me it does speak to the reverence that we have as a church for the institution and for the particular sacramental character it contains. Um That said, often people who are in a ministerial capacity are asked to officiate at secular weddings simply because well, we sort of know what we're doing, mm-hmm. that that the familiarity with the, the practice, the familiarity with the ceremonies means that we're likely to, to do a good job at it. And I don't think that that's necessarily problematic, but it does speak to a little bit of this confusion that we have between the legal and the sacramental aspects of, uh, of, of matrimony.
3: Well, I'll tell you about a situation that I ran into specifically. I was asked to do a wedding in Pennsylvania um, where the legal requirements uh, in Pennsylvania to be an officiant is that you need to be a member of an established church hmm. for a wedding. Now they don't just define what an established church is, and, or any of that kind of thing, and it, it seems like more of a formality. Right. But I was being asked to do a secular wedding, um, you know, performing, more, you know, a secular marriage mean, and I wasn't really comfortable doing that in this context of like I could only perform the wedding as an official right. church. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of,
0: of intertwining of yes. these, and I think right. that the ways in which it has gotten confused are, are really, really problematic mm-hmm. uh, on both ends, mm-hmm. right? Because on the one hand, we don't want the state exerting control over to whom we can administer a sacrament. That frightens me very much. But only slightly less frightening to me is is, is the idea that uh, that the state would would have to to conform to some particular set of um, uh, 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 of faith practices? Mm-hmm. Um, that to me, and I'm speaking here only for myself. I'm speaking here uh, not as a representative of, of the AJC, um, though I know that this opinion is is shared by at least some members of of the church that these are very separate institutions. Um, that, that civil marriage and sacramental marriage, though they're often combined and intertwined, um, do represent two very different kinds of, of unions, both of which are arguably vitally important, uh, but they aren't necessarily the same thing, and so the, the semantic confusion is, is problematic. Your Excellency. Just a, just a comment. Um, it's actually not,
4: it's, it's less universal than you might think living in North America, that the two are always entwined. Mm. In France and Germany I know, and in Nigeria, I believe they're completely distinct. They, um, religious marriage is celebrated. And then you know, the, the legal, marriage is, legal marriage is always celebrated at the city hall or something right. like that. And then the, the church marriage is a distinct thing. I've got friends that have been married in France and Germany, and that those two things can happen three to six months apart depending on what's expedient and convenient in terms of gathering family and organizing um. contracts and so on. In Nigeria, there's a, um, I gather, there's a legal wedding, there's a church wedding, and then there's often a tribal wedding. So have three mm. opportunities for different parties, right. which seems to be very civilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and a way to
0: milk in-laws
4: and family. Absolutely. <laughs> more toasters <laughs> <poses> and more <laughs> ladies,
0: right? Like, it's yeah. all good. Uh, for, my, for my second marriage, uh, the my legal and... Uh, uh, sacramental, uh, marriages were separated by a year. Right. Yeah, right. So and,
4: that, and because there's such different institutions, I think there's a lot of sense in asking you know, a couple, asking themselves those two questions quite distinctly, right? Mm-hmm. Our the situation in Australia is such that there are two classes of marriage celebrant, there's civil marriage celebrants and mm-hmm. religious marriage celebrants. religious marriage celebrants are, like in Pennsylvania, have to be, um, ministers of, of, um, What's the phrase? Uh, accepted religious denominations or something like that. Um, and that is formally defined because the Governor-General proclaims a list of accepted religious denominations every few
0: years. Right.
4: Um, there is no... Okay. Well, sorry. There is no particularly well understood process for getting on that list. So I'm going to bother trying. The Australian Pagan Network had a go a few years ago and, and didn't meet whatever criteria the Attorney General's Office invented for this and the alternative is to become a civil marriage celebrant, sort of, which involves doing a course or a community college or something, sort of and, mm-hmm. and then you receive a, a thing. So the only marriages I've ever done have been in the context of a non-legal, um, a non-legal ritual thing. Yeah. So my personal view, just to your question, and just to share some experience, I guess. Um, my personal view, I think, is that there's a couple of dimensions. One is that I make a, I make a kind of a connection. There's a similarity to me between matrimony and funerals, in the sense that most you and me both, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so both
1: are signs that you're dead, or yeah.
4: Um, in, like an awful lot of the ritual stuff we do is really religious. And uh, both funerals and marriages, uh, most of the people that are there are not members of anybody's church. Right, they're members right. of your family and their friends, and they're there for reasons other than than religiosity or spiritual conviction. Um, and in both okay. cases, for myself, I feel that I'm responsible to the inclusion of those other people, in addition to the couple. And in, in some cases, I've married couples where I married one couple where the. Um, one of the partners is, is very religious, and actually John and the other partner is an atheist, and so and they had mixed friends, and so how, how is one to, to, to kind of offer our matrimony liturgy directly to that group of people is to me not adequately inclusive to that group of people. So I've got two choices. One is I say no, I'm not gonna do it, um, and the other is I find with some way to accommodate it. So what I've wound up with is, is kind of various lines that I won't cross. Mm-hmm. And if we did if you need me to, to cross that line, then I'll probably not celebrate for you, you need right. Someone right. someone else. And the line the line for me is um, it's pretty basic. Given that the ordinary minister of matrimony is the couple, right? Um, I have to be able to give a blessing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Right? So there, there has to be there has to be some form of prayer present in the service that so I can get behind. That's pretty I'm, baseline. And I yeah. have to be able to give that blessing. If you can't let me give that blessing, then I'm, I'm not your guy. You to find somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, within those parameters, I'm reasonably flexible. And I can normally negotiate something with a couple that I, that I think works. But I have, on one occasion, attended a couple's secular wedding, and then, with their permission, kind of, like, snuck up at the end and added the blessing on Okay. After the
0: celebrant. Mm-hmm. It's like, let me, let me just... just, just mm-hmm. Really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I
4: witnessed and blessed it. So you know, you're okay. Right. Right. I, uh,
1: as you say, I generally let people. They can they can change the vows. They can change the readings. And because there's a series of blessings, they can eliminate all but one. All they but have to one. choose which one I keep. But there there uh, there has to be a blessing. Um, I've done religiously legal marriages, like religious marriages that were recognized. the state and i've done the straight civil um uh marriage commissioner ceremony that they have in alberta because they used to now they're established permanent offices but you could do them you could do them uh with uh individual sign off and it's really funny you had they're they're really strict um before they they used to say that uh um, you know religious uh, leaders or priests what have you that kind of thing could do the civil a ceremony now they're they're walled off you, you can't do it you're not allowed to do it they yeah. will not authorize uh, a civil process you have to have your organization go through the, the recognition uh, process and the, the civil ceremony you they give you a, a, a long list of things that you cannot include and you cannot do um, when you're when you're representing the, the government of Alberta. Um, because they want to be the ones to do it really i mean they they bar religious terminology, spiritual this and that, but their their ceremony kind of walks right up to the line and and looks over it mm. and uh um i 've also done one and then the the other, which is just a uh you know pop the stole on and off or the collar in or out or yeah. so i 've done it in in a whole bunch of uh uh combinations, but yeah, very very, very different from place to place.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the variety of legal and, and cultural uh, uh, forms that matrimony takes is just positively staggering. Uh, and I think part of it is simply because it has been around forever. Um, you know, it, it's had a couple of thousand years to develop in a, a, a multifarious sort of way. Yeah. So um, and I think that one of the strengths of the AJC is our particular embrace of that, uh, of that multiplicity that, the, that we can still work within the context of, of that without reducing it simply to, well, it has to be this particular form and it has to be, you know, this particular way. Um, without losing what is, vital and what is what is uniquely joe and i and what is is beautiful in in the ceremony that we use and and allowing a certain kind of variation
2: there if i'm not mistaken you were talking about the multiplicity patterns that existed uh over the years and one of them as i understand it was often betrothal, in Mm -hmm. which in which there were children and being brought up, and maybe the priest would eventually come around and marry them. And that, but that was, but Mary and Joseph were betrothed. I think
0: mm-hmm, Jesus mm-hmm. were in love marriage, right? Yeah, there is, there, there uh, is a practice, um, and th- this gets into a lot of the problems of sexual ethics that uh, that get wrapped up with with marriage, because um, th- at least in the West there's this, you know, oh, save yourself for marriage, that, you know, sexuality outside of, of marriage is adulterous, um, that tries to sort of retroactively correct that, and, and so we have a whole bunch of sort of paramatrimonial uh, institutions uh, that, that, that we could address at length, um, but, but certainly that state of betrothal or Celtic hand fasting or, or something else um, those are going to have similar kinds of, of structures. Uh, but here we're looking specifically at that, that sacramental marriage as, a, as one form of, of that kind of, of union, and a, and a very important one for us, but by no means the only. I'd like
4: to see more people pluck
0: their truth. <laughs> I want to see more bridalopes. So.
2: I, don't if, I don't know if fried is an animal or a delicious yeah. fruit. It's yes, healthy. exactly. It's only slightly better than a groomelope. Yeah. <laughs> I think a groomelope is completely appropriate. So, so. this this, this um, talk of fried seems like a really good point.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Thank you.